This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Now, this might be a good time, too, to talk about the four sections. So, in a podcast I recorded possibly 10 years ago, maybe even 12 years ago, um, then I talked about the four sections. And so that I wanted to get property someday that I could divide into four pieces. The first piece would be the equivalent of somebody who is bonkers about organic would live there and their values. So um, it, it might have like uh, paint there, but it would be the most natural paint that you could buy. And um, it, it might have a, a very limited amount of, of cement and, and concrete um, that the, the values there would be the values of somebody like it might even be like a, 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 a cement pad with a, a straw bale wall, like a straw bale house. So good hat, good shoes. And by good, they mean conventional. However, it still has to have this thick earthen roof somehow. Now, right now in that section is Cooper Cabin, and there is no cement or um, concrete in Cooper Cabin whatsoever. But I think that for the first section, basically the values are somebody who loves organic and everything that they do is organic or better. So it's this kind of very organic value set. The second section is ten times better. So one-tenth the paint, one-tenth the glue, one-tenth the cement, you know, one-tenth of the toxicity, one-tenth of anything that might be contrary to our values. Um, the third section is ten times better than the second section. One percent of the concrete, one percent of the glue, one percent of the paint, one percent of the plastic. Um, and then finally the fourth section, which I hope we don't spend too much time talking about, no plastic, no concrete, no paint, um, no, no glue, nothing, nothing toxic. But even more than that, no fire and no plumbing. And so um, it's kind of like, how are you going to make that happen? How can this possibly work? And my answer is, I have no idea. I mean, well, I have some ideas, but nothing, you know, basically I'm kind of assuming no one's going to live there. It's more of a thought experiment than anything else. And then people push back on, like, how can you live there with no fire? 
There's just no way. Oh, okay. Then don't live there. Or there's no way to do it without plumbing. And it's like, then don't live there. And then there, I'm glad we had this chat and got it all worked out. And so, um, I mean, I, I kind of feel like one of the things I want to end up with is having a community that is so natural that somebody who's got stage four cancer could come and stay there and their cancer goes away. I wish for that. I'm not saying it is going to happen. And, and I'm perfectly comfortable with people saying that I'm crazy for wanting that. I want to try. Now, I do think that this fourth section would be so very natural. And so, and the, and the, the fire would, of course, wood smoke has ten times more carcinogens, or is it a hundred times more carcinogens than tobacco smoke? And so it's kind of like, you know, all right, so it's got to go. And, uh, anybody that's done any plumbing, has seen the stuff that ends up inside of your pipes. And it's like, the fuck is that? <laughs> it's like, surely that's not good for you. And it's like, all right, let's, let's not have that either. So hence the extreme values of the fourth section. Paul, I'd like to comment. Okay. Um, I want to say I've been working a lot in the textile pet program, and I really appreciated that the iron level is creating a set of clothing that matches the values of that fourth piece of property. So that um, was really exciting to see how that um, pet program like can overlap and create um, the clothing in particular in this instance. Um, for living or visiting that fourth area. Right. That was one of the things that we said when defining the fourth section is that we don't want anybody, like, wearing shoes with rubber in them, like commercial rubber, onto this, or wearing clothes with synthetics, or, you know, those kinds of So it's like you had to, like, change your clothes in order to go onto the fourth section. Katie, you got your hand up. I am curious. I know you don't want to spend too much time on the fourth section, but it is rather inspiring. And that's kind of, I love that there is a section that is room to grow that, that on a lab, it's wonderful to have a place that you can say, this is really a territory that we haven't explored even mentally. We haven't finished even mentally exploring it. And then I had a question about bamboo pipes made out of just bamboo like when you're when you're saying no plumbing is it because you don't want the water to move or is it just because they could find some way to do it with no goop at all would that be could you make a pond a channel to another pond or is like you just want the water to not move around or i basically what it is is that when you work with any kind of plumbing whatsoever that this kind of slime evolves inside the plumbing and you kind of think to yourself like we're drinking water that that goes by this slime and then and it's like uh so you know the 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 magic of living in our world is just don't think about it (laughs) and so uh i i am a little curious about that water and about that slime and uh 
and so I kind of feel like it doesn't matter what the plumbing is made out of. I mean, even if it's stainless steel pipe or glass pipe, um, it's like it's still going to develop this this slime in it, and and that gives me concern. And so I kind of feel like what you're going to do for your water is that you might have some kind of spring or well or something, um, and you'll put it into a container of, of some sort, and you'll consume that water shortly thereafter. Um, it's, I mean, there, there are possibilities on, on how this will work. I mean, one of them is, is like, let's suppose that there's a spring and then the water passes through something that's very open. And, um, and it's like in, and it's open for, let's say 20 feet or so. And, uh, and it's like, so this water, whenever you drink the water, rather than it being in a pipe, it's like, no, no matter what, this water that you're about to drink was, was in the ground 20 seconds ago. Whereas, like here at base camp, it gets pumped up into a cistern and then pumped from the cistern into the house. And so when I go get a glass of water, that glass is, is from a water that's been sitting in plumbing since the cistern or probably since the pressure tank for um, probably since yesterday. So it's been sitting in plumbing for probably at least 24 hours, depending on how much water we've been using in the house and stuff like that. And so I'm seeking something better, and I am not yet certain what that better is. That uncertainty is so inspiring. So thanks for talking about it. Oh, okay. Oh, that was easy. All right. The four sections. Um, I do believe that, it, like, right now in the first section, we're probably building things with values that might fit in the second or third section. And uh, I know that at base camp, we build things at a lower value. Like, for example, um, the Love Shack has a metal roof, whereas I wouldn't allow a metal roof up at the lab. And so we, we do have different building standards between the, the two. Now, part of what I'm thinking is that there will be people like me and Mark and possibly everybody on this podcast today who are like, I, I love that, where I can be on 200 acres and there might be 30 other people there. Nobody smokes. Nobody's doing weed. Um, and there are these building codes of a sort that they appreciate. They're glad that all of the homes in the area are this type of building. And then there's going to be people who are going to hear this podcast and they're going to be like, that is way too strict. I could never live there. And it's kind of like that worked out for everybody. Because I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, like, all of my stuff reaches millions of people, 
And then 20 or 30 people end up living in this community that I'm trying to build because their values are extremely well aligned with mine and, and Mark's. Like this idea of developing a romantic relationship with nature combined with these buildings that are from this symbiotic relationship with nature, this this level of natural um, that's, I don't know, I, I, it's extreme. Um, I think it's for those people, those people that, that, that seek that and want that and crave that. That's yeah, totally reached me. I'm probably the newest person, and it totally reached me. So it's working. And I'm, re- I'm reaching out across the world with this message to hundreds of people. I have a huge network. You said, throughout, you said throughout message, but in New Zealand, isn't it message? <laughs> the message. I'm reaching, I'm reaching out with your message to all my people. <laughs> and so I have people in our permaculture communities in New Zealand uh, on this, you know, looking at the site now in Australia, looking at the site and be like, wow, I didn't even know this existed, you know, and uh, it's amazing. Oh, you're talking about by the site, you mean permies.com? Yeah, I'm looking at permies. Like my great uncle started the first large commune in New Zealand in 1962. It's still running. It's called Wilderland. And I have the people at Wilderland looking at permies.com. Uh, and, you know, Wilderland's the, the number one permaculture sort of commune, and they're like, we have no idea this, this even existed, you know, and now they're, like, getting so much information off it. I kind of I feel like, in a way, Hermes.com exists because I have these ideas and these values and this thing I want to make, and um, I just felt like when I go online and I want to talk about my ideas and moving towards my ideas, I would get a lot of discouragement and uh and it would be in many 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 different flavors hundreds of different flavors of discouragement and so i kind of needed to make permies so i could talk about these things without the discouragement and so now i feel like i have lots of encouragement now and oh it's it's so wonderful to share something and and not only get like support and encouragement and kind words but also people just pour in great ideas that I had never thought of before and uh I I I'm so glad that I guess in a way I'm glad that people were so discouraging to me before you know I could make this and so um, I, I imagine, a, I know a lot of you were involved, uh, you know, when I said uh, we're going to make this movie that's this full-length movie tour, two-hour tour of the stuff at Wheaton Labs. Um, first of all, more than 200 people gave thumbs up and said that they would put in 10 bucks. And then we set up the pre-order page, and already more than 100 people have actually literally put up 10 bucks and so we're we're working on it and in the meantime i've put out the the turbo tour like nine minute version of 65 things at wheaton labs and uh 
I don't know. It's 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 like there's there's just been a lot of very kind, lovely things that have come back from that. It's what do you think uh, for every person that's giving you grief? How many silent people are there thinking it's awesome and just using the site? I think for every person giving me grief today, I'll bet that there are 30 people that are giving me support, not only with words, but with actual dollars. Yeah. And so it's the noisiest complainers, you know, it's just classic noisy complainers. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's million, there's more than a million people every month that are accessing permies. And so, they would be silent. And of course there could be a, a certain percentage of those are like, this is stupid. But I think that there's uh, an enormous amount of people that are silent because you use the word silent um, and they're enjoying it. They're drinking it in and, and they're like, Oh, finally I found a place uh-huh. that talks about the stuff I'm into. And I said nothing for months. So I just, I just read for months and watched stuff for months before even starting an account. I've, I have visited with people where they had, they go to permies for hours a day, every day for years, and they still haven't written a single post. Exactly. And so I think that there's a lot of, a lot of that and that feeds my soul. But I gotta say that the thing that, uh, the, the I, I, <laughs> Maybe the number one thing, I'm not, I could be wrong about this, but maybe the number one thing I love to hear is when people say, I gave your book to my brother or my friend or my co whatever, and they opened it up and they started to read it and they couldn't stop. And so they spent five and a half hours to get to the end. And now they want more. And it's like, that's one of my most favorite things to hear. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I can never hear that enough. <laughs> so that would be somebody who's not a permie, somebody who's, this is, which is who the book is for. The book is for people that are not permies. I mean, I love the idea that permies are reading it too, but, um, I just love that. I just love to hear that. I just love to hear that thing. And then, uh, and then I think twice I've heard from people that thought the book was total shit and it was, it was harming the world and, I don't know, something something negative and awful and horrible. But I think the the story about giving the book to somebody and they and they're not a permi, they're not a they're not into this at all, but but then they started to read it and then they just couldn't stop until they got to the end. I think I've heard that story forty times. I'd love to hear that story. I love and that's what, that's what makes them into a permi, right? There's always going to be that one article or video or something that somebody comes across and that's what makes a click for them. Yeah. So, I mean, there was recent crap out at Reddit about, you know, um, in fact, the great thing is, is that the thing out at Reddit, so we were saying about Wheaton Labs are thinking about being a boot and the amount of positive stuff definitely far outweighed the negative stuff. And um and the negative stuff was all really weak. I mean they just posted more stuff to the slumlord thing and that was in the uh fat video and that was it. That's all they had. And it's like that's four years old and where are those people now? Who who then you know so I I think um 
the positive is outweighing the negative. And that's, that's always great. And there's always going to be negative. There should be negative. So, all right. Moving, moving along, the four sections. And, uh, and I, I love the idea of contemplating the fourth section. Um, I, I'm a little weary of people challenging the fourth section. Like, why no fire? Why no plumbing? And uh, that's stupid. And it's like, you know what? It's a mental exercise. Um, and so, um, but I do think that I want to have the fourth section. Um, all right, so there's there's the fourth sections. Although I kind of believe that all of the sections pretty much end up being uh, built to the standards of the third section. So, for example, the greenhouse has zero concrete or cement. I believe it does have 1% of the plastic of what you would find in an organic um, uh, greenhouse because they're going to use a lot of plastic. And and so we do have a membrane in there, two membranes, but, you know, that's it. That's I think that's all the plastic that's in there is those two membranes. Uh, I believe there is no paint at all. Um, what else? Let's see, no paint, no plastic, no glue. I'm pretty sure that there's no glue. I do think... I'm not sure there, I don't, I, I think that there might be some silicone, some silicone goo that was used with the glass. So I think there might be some, some goo there, but still probably well under 1% of what's in a conventional greenhouse. So, um, and that is more like section two. So you could have had 10%, but it was, it was 2%. I think, I think it's doing quite well. Um, all right. I, I, uh, I love, I love our building codes in that respect that, you know, going way easy. And I love the idea of building with less of that toxicity. And then it's like, will it be something that helps somebody to get Pass some sickness because I think a lot of the illness that people experience comes from their environment, and it's like you go into a hospital and the hospital is full of that toxicity. Opalyn, you got your hand up, and you got your microphone muted. I do. Um, I wanted to say a couple of things that the greenhouse does have, and it has a really amazing door latch with a spring in it with no metal or no glue. It's got some amazing artwork that was done in the club, and it's phenomenal. So I just want to say some of the really positive things about the greenhouse instead of saying that, to say what it has instead of just talking about what it doesn't have. I think maybe soon we need to record a podcast with um, Josiah to talk about what's there. Um, I think you know I know he's working on the movie right now. And a man, I'm looking forward to when that's all done. Me too. Yeah. All right, Mark, you got your hand up. Yeah. Maybe when he's done with the movie, you could have a podcast reviewing the movie and 
that might be a good time to, to do it. I was going to mention you talk about the um, the various chemicals. We also have all of the cleaners that people are used to being, you know, even, quote, green cleaners that are still using bleach or stuff that can still cause, you know, negative reactions with if you're breathing in the fumes and all that. So there's a lot of other things that, aren't being used or shouldn't be used that are still sort of commonplace otherwise that can also improve your environment once you get rid of them. I think, I think that might've been um, like when we have a big gathering of people here, maybe we should have recorded a podcast about like cleaners you can eat. But I got to say one of the things that I bought, maybe a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago, which I've never used before. Now we use it all the time. It's citric acid. Um, it's edible. It's In fact, it's organic. And, and I, I, uh, I love to take a moment and lick my finger and stick it in there and, and eat it. <laughs> but um, uh, what's really fun is when, um, like in our little glass kettle in the, in the Fisher-Price house for hot water, uh, it starts to get that, that lime scale in it. And you just put, um, like a little tiny spoonful of the citric acid in there and let it sit for a few minutes. And then it's clean. It just cleaned itself a total chemical reaction with this edible, this edible cleaner. I just love citric acid. Opalin, get your hand up. Yeah, I've started using hydrogen peroxide and baking soda. To clean the kitchen, and in particular, a glass stovetop, and it's amazing. How edible is hydrogen peroxide? Well, you know, it's not, but it's a lot better than bleach and the chemicals that we were using. Well, that's true. <laughs> Actually, hydrogen peroxide can be consumed if you're careful about the quantity. Sure. And the concentration. Oh, yeah. Yes. I think <laughs> the normal hydrogen peroxide is like 3%. Um, yes. And even that, sometimes people will dilute it. But yeah. I would, I would like to try to find. Can we do cleaners that are even more edible? So, like, as opposed to, well, you you put some inside of you and you didn't die. I mean, it's not like it's yeah. not like hydrogen peroxide. You put it in your mouth and your tongue says, "Yummy, <laughs> have some more." Um, well, it, I mean, I, I I brush my teeth with it. So it goes in my mouth every night. And does and and does your tongue approve? Your tongue is like yeah. Oh. Doesn't you know what? I it's diluted. No, no. By food grade, and my tongue doesn't mind. No, no. I could fill right. my mouth with it. My tongue is fine. Yeah. But your tongue isn't saying yummy. Add more. Like let's let's put this down the pie hole. My understanding is hydrogen peroxide. Like when you use it for dental purposes, uh-huh. it's it's strongly encouraged. Do not swallow. Spit it out. Sure, yeah. Well, you're, not, you're not supposed to eat it. But at the same time, it, there's a difference between a natural slash healthy slash non-harmful cleaner versus something delicious that you would eat as a snack, too. And this is why I like the citric acid. You can you can eat it. You can, you can eat lots of it. In fact, it's in a lot of our foods. Um, it even has recipes on it. <laughs> here's, here's stuff you can make with this stuff, you know. Um, I, that's why I love it so much. Uh, some people around here uh, like to clean with um, 
apple cider vinegar, which I think stinks. It just stinks. I'm sick of it. Um, and I, and I, and it, of course, when you're using the apple cider vinegar, you're using it for the acidity of it. And, um, I kind of feel like the citric acid gives you all the, the acidity that you seek. Um, but it doesn't stink. And so I'm just, all I'm saying is I'm really enjoying adding citric acid to the repertoire. Um, I like to move away from baking soda because um, it's not some. It's kind of like hydrogen peroxide. You can eat it, you do eat it and stuff, but it's not exactly like a flavor festival. Like, mm, yummy, I want to eat this, you know. And so I, I kind of, I kind of feel like, yeah, it's edible, but citric acid is, let's say, more edible. All right. We're wandering off topic just a little bit, and I I believe that this is a, a magnificent podcast topic. Maybe maybe for a future permaculture smackdown, we could try that try this topic again. Maybe awesome. Okay, yeah. Step, stepping away. All right. Uh, looking at the list that I made before we started recording this podcast, um, one of the things I got on here is fence stuff. And I gotta say that when you make a fence, um, it's very tempting to just use field fence. It's like 150 bucks a roll, or it used to be 150 bucks a roll. Uh, maybe it's more now. Um, but it's galvanized. And, um, I remember being in high school and somehow, I don't know, I did a science fair project thing. And I, I got picked to go and do it regionally or something. I don't remember what happened. But I do remember one of the other kids that had a science fair project thing. His, his project was about um, the health of soil next to galvanized structures, specifically different kinds of silos. And he was pointing out how um, – things didn't grow next to the silo. And so he did a bunch of tests on the soil to try to understand why. Why would things not grow next to the silo? And it had to do with the, the fact that it was galvanized. So you know how silos kind of have that corrugated galvanized stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so apparently, you know, water hits all that stuff, and some of the galvanized stuff, ends up in the soil at the base of these structures and then nothing will grow there. And so it has to do with whatever's in the galvanized stuff. So ever since then, as part of my horticultural stuff, it's like I I choose to avoid having galvanized stuff anywhere near where I have growies. Now, granted, a field fence isn't going to have as much galvanized stuff but I like the idea of getting away from from galvanized stuff as much as I can. And so I would so I I basically, you know, wish to I'm not saying no, but I wish to discourage it. So Mark, you're gonna be building a fence. You need to build a fence because you gotta keep the deer from eating your gardens. And so Otherwise, you're just going to build a big deer feeder. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so you got to have some kind of fence. And so I wish to discourage you strongly from anything that's galvanized. So 
you know, I'm not going to say it's a must, it's required, but I would like to think that now that I've told you about this, you're probably going to value my opinion on this and choose to figure out something that won't use galvanizing stuff. Fair? Yeah, and yeah, and and a metal fence is eventually going to be a mess regardless. You know, it's going to rust or, you know, it's, it's going to break down over time and then you have to deal with it. And it, you can't compost metal. Yeah. I'd say you're going to have, it's just trash in my opinion at that point. So yeah, my, my thought had always been to build a junk pole fence. And when I'm trimming off the little branches, the boughs, whatever you're going to call them, um, to stockpile that to use as the insulation layer of the Wafati. Um, and then make that junk pole fence around my little parcel and plant a living hedge to grow inside of it. And with the hope that the junk pole fence would last three or four years you know, it's going to start to break down eventually, and by then, my living hedge will have grown enough that it will be able to defend itself, quote unquote, from the deer. You know, I don't know whether deer are into Osage Orange, which is what I'm uh, going to try out, um, but they have thorns on them, and my thought is, is once they get large enough, the the, the leaves will get high enough up that the, the deer can't get to it um, and then kill them. So I'm hoping to, to make a hedge and weave that around and then leave two or three different spots, you know, openings uh, in that perimeter to put in gates. And then by then the junk pole fence will have started to rot enough. I can just take it down and put it into a hookah culture. Beautiful. I, I think that's been my plan for damn near everything also. Although I do think that for any fence that's um, an area that's fenced uh, an acre or smaller, it's, um, I'm going to say, beneficial to um, uh, go with junk pole on the interior. And then the, because the, the stuff that's the living fence, those, um, those take a lot of work. They need a, they need a lot of maintenance, um, and they they have a fair bit of thickness to them, and uh, and they can get to be a little tall, which can kind of make it difficult for enough light to get to your gardens. Yeah, you can get a lot of shade there, and the 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 maintenance part I would totally agree with because my thought there was. You know, Osage Orange, it's very dense wood. It, it works well as a firewood for the BTUs and all that. Um, would be to prune it because it is going to be a certain thickness and essentially pruning the inside branches and then also going upwards. But you can reach a point. I have the benefit, right, of I reach over my head. I'm at seven feet. So... I can try to prune something between seven and eight feet tall and it's not a, a stretch for me. But if you're going to have hundreds of feet of that to do, then, you know, that's a lot of pruning to do once a year, but then you can save all that wood to use as firewood or cooking wood, you know, that type of thing. Um, so 
you still get a function out of it. You know, I'd, I'd be processing firewood of some sort regardless. So if I can do that as part of maintaining that, that hedge, then I don't know that it by itself is adding additional time to my total hours per year, as it were, for chores. Um, Katie, you got your hand up. Yes. Um, please remind me of your view on copper, Paul, if you don't mind. It's a metal. Did you want something more? Shocking. Like, no, like, like you want to do copper? <laughs> you want to do, bum. You want to do <laughs> copper as a fence? No, I don't. But you were saying galvanized steel, and I was like, I'm going to carry liquid in, in copper. And I'm like, wait a minute, maybe not. I, um, I, I, I think that, I mean, copper is going to effectively oxidize also, rust in its own little green way. Um, and, uh, I think that it's entirely possible that you could end up with too much copper in your food. You could have, um, uh, too much copper in your soil. It might also be in some soils actually a supplement. Like, like if you're, like it is a micronutrient that stuff needs, but um, Montana is famous for having a lot of very beautiful multicolored rocks, and the the ones that are blue or green, those are the ones that have copper in them. So I kind of feel like our soils probably have sufficient copper. I don't recall seeing a soil test that says you're deficient. Um, so I I'm. I, I have I have mixed feelings about copper. I mean, there's people who choose to drink out of copper cups, like on a daily basis, and I kind of wonder if that's a good idea. I mean, there's benefits to cooking in copper and doing food things with copper, but I I think that there's also downsides that might not be getting enough press right now. Um, Dr. Julia, do you have any thoughts on copper and the human body? Um, I mean, yeah, copper has toxicity for sure. It's worse for invertebrates than it is for vertebrates. Um, it's super bad for any invertebrates. Uh, Slugs, of course, hate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. kind of feel like there are people who suffer from having too much heavy metals. And while a lot of people, it's, it's mercury, um, there are some people where they have too much copper and they they need to get it out. Um, yeah. You get yeah. Kaiser rings in your eyes. There's definitely a whole set of symptoms for t- copper toxicity. Yeah. I just haven't seen it. Okay. All right. It has nothing to do with having copper-colored hair, right? Oh, right. No. <laughs> okay. So um, – did we cover that, Katie, well enough, the the copper thing? I'm not sure where you were going with copper. Uh, I'm thinking about bathtubs and roofs to catch water, but it's kind of off topic, but the galvanized steel made me think about it. So thanks for answering. That's good. Thanks. Right. I, I'm hmm, not hmm, hmm. hmm. I, I've got a lot of hmm about copper. Hmm. Like, like, you know, there should be some more research into that one. Um, I think that if somebody had a copper tub, I mean, certainly it would be beautiful, at least for a while. <laughs> I mean, 
uh, it's going to turn that greenish bluish color. You have to polish it a lot. Yeah. You might. Green. It might be gorgeously green. Okay. Maybe gorgeously green. There could turn out to be another word besides gorgeous. <laughs> in addition to gorgeous. Oh, it's so beautiful. But don't get in it because <laughs> burr, 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 burr. And it's like, <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious about the burr, 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 burr. Like, what is the burr, 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 burr? So, um, I'm, I'm curious. So setting, setting that aside. Next item on the list. A bike ped community. Now we talked about this a little bit and currently we allow vehicles at all sites, but I would like to get to the point where we've created so many beautiful structures that we start to restrict vehicles, um, from, from most of the site. And that when you want to go to Cooper Cabin, we have a series of paths and trails. And, uh, uh, I know, I imagine that when Opalin was here, you saw the, the beautiful gates at Allerton Abbey that like went to the TP area or to the Allerton Abbey area. And and it says, those are beautiful gates. I was here, I was at Wheaton Labs last fall and they were um, not nearly as glorious as they are now. They're lovely and they have signs. So you know which direction to head off into. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're beautiful. Um, uh, that, that's a big dose of beauty that came from the boots this year. I, I was kind of feeling a little um, twisted about it. Like, don't we have higher priority stuff to work on than making that super amazingly beautiful like you're doing? And I decided to shut the fuck up <laughs> and not say anything. And, it, like, it did. It turned out really beautiful. And somebody was clearly just – they just had to be in their bonnet to make something really beautiful there. And I elected – I did not – I did not, I did not, it wasn't my idea, it had nothing to do with me, so all the credit goes to the, the people in the boot camp who just got to be in their bonnet, and I feel like my only contribution was to shut the fuck up, <laughs> and just let it, let it happen, um, but I, I kind of feel like that's where beauty comes from, is a thousand little things, and uh, uh, Allerton Abbey is quickly racking up a thousand beautiful things, Um it's it's really turning into something really special, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the ATI. Oh, and I should say that uh, we just got the thermometers dropped down in the thermal wells of the greenhouse, and we've got these new reflectors on the um, destratification pipes, and um, we are seeing a rise in the temperatures at the bottom of the thermal wells. That's very cool. That is, that is very cool. It's a tiny rise, but definitely a rise. And so more news as events warrant. Uh, so all of our experiments seem to be, you know, panning out in that space. I'm so excited to see how it goes this winter. All right. Um, <clears throat> so I think that there will be a time a few years into the future where we're going to say, Vehicles are strongly discouraged from this area, but there will be a time once in a while where somebody's going to uh, bring a you know bring a truckload of something or another over or a carload of something or another over, and then hopefully go and move the vehicle back over to you know the parking area or maybe they you know made a bit of a garagey kind of a thing in their own plot or something like that. 
and, uh, you know, like a burn shed garage kind of a thing. A place to park their car. And I, and I feel like I, uh, I hope that some people will own a car and after three years of driving it only four times a year, they'll decide to just sell it. And that uh, we might have uh, a car available that a person could rent or something if they want to go into town. Something, something like that. So, all right. Any questions about the about the goal of being a a bike ped community? Okay. Um, the gate versus the commuter job. Um, one of the things for Ant Village was is that I said you can't cross the gate more than twice a week or something. Like that. And and this was to discourage commuter job because I kind of feel like if somebody's got a commuter job. That's not why I'm in, that's not why I'm doing all of this. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say I've got a, a lot of money that took me a long time to accumulate, put into this property, and an enormous slice of my life put into this project. And if somebody's going to be living on the lab and doing a commuter job, that's not what I'm shooting for here. I'm looking for people that want to, to, you know, do something more Gert-esque. Um, something where maybe they work remotely from the property. Oh, and by the way, Mark, you were talking about Internet. Have I told you that, like, right now, my Internet connection that I'm we're recording this with is Starlink? Huh? Yeah, you'd mentioned that was just got put in, and it's a major boost in Internet speed. So a little bit of Starlink bloating on my part. <laughs> um, and it's, it's amazing and awesome. Um, uh, we have DSL here. This is 10 times faster, 10 times more reliable. Just, just 10, 10 times all, any metric that you have, 10 times better. Starlink is awesome. And it's only going to get better as the next couple of years pass and they get more of those satellites up. And and they use the near-Earth orbit satellites, which is what the, the company that I used to work for, for aerospace, that's, that's what we used. Um, our spacecraft was near-Earth orbit spacecraft. And it's like the um, the orbit time of the Starlink uh, satellites is 93 minutes, which is the same as what ours was, the digital globe. So... Um, uh, brings back memories, and I I love the idea of supporting them. Um, I suppose another time we could make a SmackDown podcast about Elon Musk. I I think Elon Musk is awesome, and I've had a lot of people in the permaculture community tell me that they think he is awful. And so um, I I think in another podcast someday we could uh, talk about about Elon. Is is uh, do as permaculturalists, do we love the guy or what? And so let's, that's a, that's a, I mean, it is the permaculture smackdown, right? So, so smacky smack, let, let people come who want to, um, suggest you something other than awesome. All right. Um, the whole concept of the commuter job things, this is, this is one of my requirements for so many things. Now we do cross the gate more often than that. But we're also perpetually trying to find ways to cross the gate less. And, um, and, and I also, this might be a, a good time to point out, 
everybody on the lab has a key to the gate. <laughs> Plus, they're locked in. Yeah. Oh my God. They, they can't get away. Uh, so everybody has a key to the gate. Even more than that, uh, where the gate is, there's there's no fence. You could walk around the gate. <laughs> yeah. It so, just stops vehicles. Yeah, yeah. It slows and them down. So we've we've had some people um, in this area that have been unkind, and uh, it turns out the gate is a very smart thing. So, um, but the big thing is, is like I'm using the gate more to talk about like traffic on the road and driving in and out and stuff like that. And and I I kind of feel like if somebody's like oh, I don't like that restriction, then by all means don't come here. Don't don't join this. And um so don't this is this is not the property you're looking for. And and if you apply the rule of fifteen to that gate, that really is where it, it would come into play that if you have people coming and going multiple times a day and then there's 15 of those vehicles doing that. You're going to totally destroy that road or you have to yeah. be constantly maintaining it. Um, you know, it's, it's not a paved asphalt road. So it, right. there's just a lot of wear and tear. A lot of wear and tear on the gate, a lot of wear and tear on the road, a lot of, and it's like, um, it gets dusty. I kind of like the, I kind of like it when we have roads that kind of get grown over a little bit. Like you can still use the road. But, you know, there's a lot of grass there, and you're going to be pushing a lot of grass over to, to these the road. I, I love it when a road gets to that state. That's, that's, and then, it, uh, and then there could be a, a path that's the path of where people walk and the path of where people ride their bikes and stuff like that. That's, you know, a little bit worn, but it's surrounded by grass and stuff. We could, we could explore possibly mowing those a little. And that's a conversation for another day. But we have some roads where they're being driven on enough now where things aren't growing. And I'd like to, I'd like to someday change that. I'd like to get to the point where we can establish a, a variety of growies on all of our roads. And I think the number one ingredient is, is they're being driven on roads. So yeah, the rule of 15 is an excellent example. And I kind of wish for people to come and be part of this community where they seek that bike ped thing that that you and I, Mark, have experienced in the past, and and that that's what we're going to be building. There is a thread on Permies right now about electric bikes, and like I have essentially a mountain bike, electric-powered mountain bike, or it's electric assist. You know, when you pedal, it'll provide power up to 20 miles an hour, and then it doesn't go any faster. But there's kits out there, so if somebody already has a bike, they can buy a kit for say 200 bucks and attach it that they can dial in extra juice and then you can recharge those batteries with a solar panel, whatever you have. Um, so going up or down the hillside there, you know, it doesn't have to be an exhausting thing for somebody. Um, and you can still say, go to base camp to, to do something pretty quickly. Um, you know, that you can just reduce the wear and tear on that, that particular part of road uh, that way, too. I think the big thing is those bikes are really fun. Hit that little button, get that little extra boost. They're just, this is fun. This podcast is continued in part three. Don't forget, 
go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts. <laughs>